0: Hello and welcome into another episode of the esports network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host Mitch Reams, and today we're talking to Brett Diamond, the chief operating officer at wise venture esports. They're the backers of the Minnesota rocker in the call of duty league and version one in rocket league. Wise Venture is one of the newer esports organizations who's finding a lot of success. The organization is named after the New York venture capital firm, Wise Ventures, and is also backed by the Will family, the owners of the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL. They're gearing up for the organization's biggest stretch yet. Rocker had a strong season in the Call of Duty League and are set to match up against the New York Subliners on August 20th in the first round of the upper bracket in Call of Duty Champs. They've also just launched a new brand called Version 1, with the first team being an absolutely top-flight squad in Rocket League. The team is composed of two-thirds of the incredibly popular former Cloud9 roster with Gimmick and Torment as Squishy Muffins split off to join NRG. The third for Wise is AXB, a great player formerly on Space Station Gaming. They're coached by Fireburner, the former third player at NRG, who was originally replaced by Turbo Pusa and has now been subsequently replaced by Squishy. Brett himself spent a long time in the National Football League at the league offices and with the Minnesota Vikings before, joined, before moving to his role as CEO, COO of Wise Ventures, the Rocker and Version 1. Brett, thanks for joining the show. Great to be here, Mitch. Thanks for having me. So, Brett, a lot of things happening for Wise right now. Where do you want to start, Rocket League or Call of Duty?
1: Uh, let's let's start with Call of Duty. That uh, that that came first for us, so we can start there.
0: Perfect, perfect. Like we said, the Rocker are prepping for the biggest match of the organization's history. I think that's a fair thing to say. With the champs matchup against the New York Subliners, what's that energy look like right now with the organization as you look towards that match with the Subliners coming on Thursday, August twentieth. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're excited.
1: I think for any, for any team, any organization, whether you're in esports, traditional sports or, or anything, you know, when it comes time for, you know, for the championship, for the playoffs, um, there's just a, there's just a different energy. There's a different energy, um, with the players and the coaches, a different energy with the staff. Um, we just dropped our, our playoff hype video last night. Um, so we're, we're pretty pumped and, um, You know we've we've had a a roller coaster of a regular season, um, but we're, we're, we're we like our chances heading into the playoffs, so we're we're feeling good.
0: It's glad to hear that we actually just had Mac, the New York Subliners rookie, on this show a few weeks back, and I'll tell you he was also feeling pretty confident headed into that matchup. So it'll be definitely a great game coming up this weekend.
1: Uh, Well, he's, he's had a, he's had a pretty impressive uh, rookie year. So he, he has, he, he certainly earned the right to feel confident, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we can give him a run for their money uh, next, next, next match.
0: He's got that unbridled confidence that comes with being a rookie. (laughs) Who's only seen success so far, but as everybody knows, who's been in sports or esports success cannot always last. So the the first thing I want to ask you about on the Call of Duty League is the CDL format. So we've had a very unconventional year in every sport. You know, we're watching uh, the NBA play in a bubble. We're watching uh, college football figure out how they're going to approach this. We've seen my Cardinals have played five games in the MLP so far. It's a weird time. But the CDL format has been a bit controversial as people have talked about how they're doing this. I actually am a fan of it. I think given how the season played out, there's really no clean way of creating one, but I think you don't really see a double buy in playoff format. So that's what we have in the CDL. So the rocker are either the fifth or sixth seed. I I can't remember, but basically the third and fourth seeds got one buy and the one and two seeds get two buys. So, if the Rocker were to win and keep winning, you guys already know your next three opponents. Does this gauntlet sort of format as you look towards, okay, this is how it's set up. It's basically a staggered approach. Does that change your approach at all as you head towards champs?
1: Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's, if anything, it, it benefits us because in my opinion, we have a phenomenal coaching staff and, and maybe the best coaching staff in the league in terms of, their ability to game plan and prepare for a specific opponent. Um, And we certainly saw success in that regard Um, early in the year. We were oftentimes stronger when we were playing a a team for the second time. Um, You know, so the, you know, the format allows teams, you can, you know, we know who, you know, we know who we're going to be playing if we win against the subliners. We know we play Chicago. And if we win that, we know we play phase after that. Um, obviously, you know, knowing is one thing. Actually, winning extremely tough matches is, is another. Um, but I do think it, you know, I think from a, and, you know, I, I, I try not to speak for our players or our coaches too much, but I think just from a preparation standpoint, you know, knowing that going in is certainly beneficial. Um, you know, in terms of the overall format of the league, there's obviously things that have taken place in 2020 that you know that no no person on the planet could have um, could have anticipated. I think overall, you know, the league has done a phenomenal job, and I think Johanna Ferries as commissioner has done has shown great leadership in in mapping out what what these changes are and you know online is certainly not perfect it certainly has its challenges um but it's certainly better than the alternative um of not playing and I think you you know you referenced it with with some of the baseball teams that are um you know that are trying to jump start their season when you you know live events are extremely difficult to uh to hold right now so on the whole look there's a lot you know there's a lot of um, you know, and, and Frank, I'm happy to go into more detail on, you know, how we view different things. Um, you know, there's certainly, you know, you can zoom in and, and nitpick a lot of things really that any organization, esports or otherwise are doing um, during the pandemic. But on the whole, I think, you know, I think we've got really the the, the best possible scenario given all the challenges involved.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's just a situation where it's like there's no clean solution. There's there's no precedent, first of all, which people just get used to how playoffs work. And in this situation, first of all, you're, you're the CDL. So you're a franchise league for the first time, creating a playoff format during a pandemic, which is just so different from what people are used to. There is no way to really pull it off and make sure every single person was happy. I really like it. It feels like the format uh, feels familiar to me as a football fan. And I, w- I wonder if you think so, too. I know Johanna Ferries has a background of the NFL just like yourself. That's the closest comp to me when I look at this CDL bracket. I'm like, yeah, okay. It looks like the NFL playoffs but with a double butt. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's a good point. And, yeah, NFL playoffs are, are 12 teams as well. So that's I think that's a that's a spot-on observation. Yeah, I, I think what it does is it, it struck a, a good balance between giving every team a shot which in the original format, only eight teams made, made the playoffs. Um, And I don't, I don't actually remember, but I I think the top two teams might've had buys or, or maybe it was top four in that format, but whatever, regardless. um, I think what it does is it strikes a nice balance where the teams that had very successful regular seasons are rewarded with a, an easier, shorter path to the championship and the teams that, you know, that did not have strong seasons are starting in the, in the loser's bracket. They, you know, they've got, you know, they're starting with their back against the wall. They've still got a shot, but those are teams that in the original original format wouldn't have made the playoffs. So, you know, those teams nine through 12, Um, I think that's appropriate for how they're slotted in. And then the teams right in the middle uh, five through eight, which is, you know, we're in, we're in that group. You know, I think that's where... Uh, we didn't quite play well enough to earn a bye but uh but we're starting in winners bracket so again i think i think it strikes a balance of rewarding the teams that that had a strong regular season um and you know and punishing the teams that didn't and you know from a from a business perspective as well you know we talk a lot about the importance of making the regular season matter in a format where you sort of have this hybrid um you know hybrid tournament and regular season format um and so you want especially as you know as a new league with with new teams in a lot of regions that haven't experienced esports before including ours in minnesota um you know we want the stakes to be high for every you know for every match that we play and you know, I, I think that's something that in general fans have responded to. I think if you're a fan of the, you know the, you know the teams that are that are every single week finishing you know first or second in a tournament, um, you might have a slightly different perspective from from fans of teams that are you know maybe more middle of the pack, um, but on the whole, just from again back to the business and product standpoint, um, every regular season match counting and the points that go into that um, in, you know, in my opinion is a, is an important part of, of, of having, having success as a league.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that it's really important to have the regular season count, but also to create those allowances of like, yeah, this was not the ideal regular season. Maybe we will get you guys in there. It's tough to have them start in the loser's bracket. Like you said, back up against the wall, but you know, that's, that's just how it goes in, Uh, in sports sometimes you guys are you're in the playoffs and if you win out you'll get there so at the very least the the worst team on regular season standings still has a shot at chance which you can't really say any other time ever so at at the very least they're they're in it and then you've got the double limb too so it'll be interesting to see where it comes from i think just the uh, being such a big switch from the previous champs format which even included open qualifiers which was never ever going to be a thing in the franchise league and anybody who thought that that was going to be included has not been paying enough attention uh, but the i think that's just sort of it, the big switch to people who are used to what call of duty looked like it's going to be different now and the cdl was always going to be different then you add a pandemic on top of it and it's quite a bit different but ultimately i'm a fan of where where activision ended up and i'm really excited for champs
1: yeah, 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 me too. I, I again at at its core myself and and most of our staff, you know, we're now fans of of Call of Duty whether, you know, whether we've been fans for years or or just really as from the affiliation with the team. Yeah, I mean, I honestly I I get as hyped during our matches as I ever have watching any traditional sports event whether it was a team I was working for or not um and uh, my kids uh, my kids have learned some colorful language as a result, uh, <laughs> for better or worse.
0: Yeah, esports gets there. It's something that a lot of sports fans, I've always been, because I came from the sports world, got into esports because I find the two to be extremely similar. They, they trigger all the same things that I love sports for. I get the same thing in esports. And so I'm always constantly turning on Twitch streams, turning on esports to my sports fans who are you know, watching first take or something. I'm like, hey, guys, instead of watching first take, let's watch Rocket League. And they usually enjoy it. It's all about just creating that first immersion. And Rocket League and actually Call of Duty as well are great games because it's easier to get that immediate immersion into the game. It's, it's simple to understand. Like a game like League of Legends, the most popular eSport in the world, undoubtedly, it's tough to understand to a casual audience. Rocket League and Call of Duty are a bit simpler. So that leads us into your new brand, Version 1. Starting broad, why Rocket League?
1: So when we, when we established the organization a year ago, um, in July of 2019, it was our, always our, our intention to expand beyond Call of Duty. We wanted to make sure that we, that we spent the first year focusing on establishing Rocker, uh, building that brand, hiring the right people. We've hired an awesome staff of really talented people that have a great mix of experience. Some of them from esports, some from traditional traditional sports, some from outside of both. Um, so really, the first year we didn't want to get over our skis and grow too fast, but we always anticipated when we got to this point. You know, late summer of 2020 was when we would be looking at new opportunities. Obviously we didn't think we were going to be making those decisions in the middle of a pandemic uh, and everything that goes with it. Uh, That's certainly unique for, you know, any business anywhere making decisions right now. Um, But we're fortunate to have an extremely supportive ownership group in the Wealth family, as well as Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, And so, you know, to, to why Rocket League? So for a while we, you know we felt instinctively like rocket league would be a good fit and then the more we really started peeling back the layers and looking at viewership numbers and and analyzing um you know business metrics and, and what we could about the scene um it just more and more became clear that rocket league was the right fit and we were very fortunate timing wise as right as we were getting you know really serious about about entering rocket league um that was right when cloud nine was departing the scene um you know you touched on it at the top um you know squishy went to nrg and, and torment and gimmick were uh were free agents and we got in touch with with their uh their agents their representatives and you know for us it was funny it was almost the polar opposite of how of what cdl free agency felt like for us where um you know we kind of I don't want to take us too far off track and talk more about CDL <laughs> free agency if you want, but go ahead. Uh, go ahead. It was I mean that you know that was that was the you know just to put a bow on your question we'll talk CDL free agency. Um you know we we zeroed in very quickly on Torment and Gimmick. Um you know we had some good conversations with with them and their representatives. Um and for us it was pretty much, you know, if if they had gone elsewhere, we would have, you know, looked at other options, but we never really just you know, partly because of the timing and fortunate timing with um, with those guys um, becoming available right as we were starting to seriously look. Um, you know, from our perspective, they were at the top of our list, and we never really looked at any other any other available players. Um, and then, as you said, you know, we signed them. Um, you know, probably mid Jul. Um, you know, early to mid July, and they were still uh, trying out a few different. Uh, guys for the third roster spot um but yeah we had torment and gimmick and, and fire burner as the coach and then they settled on axb as as the third and then he signed on um you know a couple weeks later so uh but yeah in terms of the experience going through it i mean it was the polar opposite of cdl free agency where you have literally every player in the league was a free agent at the same time which was just um I mean, it was an amazing thing to live (laughs) through, uh, especially as, as, you know, going through it for the first time. Uh, But it it was, it it was, it was a lot of fun and and a a little bit wild, but, uh, you know, certainly an experience, but um, definitely different for, you know, CDL. We talked to, you know, dozens of players because everybody's a free agent. So everybody's talking to everybody. And then uh, Rocket League, it was like, okay, no, these are our guys. And we signed on pretty quick.
0: I can only imagine how that CDL free agency because Call of Duty esports, even in the past, was already a carousel of players. People, the free agent period was people going left and right and all over the place. You just don't have to deal with the same issues that you have in traditional sports. You don't have franchise tags. You don't have uh, restricted and unrestricted free agents. And so the CDL creation was like, okay, go have fun. And I can only imagine that was an absolutely insane process to do it. What were you looking for? When you have all the players, you know, as you mentioned, Rocket League, okay, a great roster just dropped. You've got two thirds of them available. That's a unique situation. They're a great, great fit. Let's just run with that. It sort of feels like a match made in heaven. With CDL, as you're looking into a... Into a new league with everybody available. What qualities, what things were you looking for in particular among the players you were looking, you were trying to sign?
1: Well, we we were fortunate that we had um, in in early August of last year we had brought on board Ashley Glassell Midnight. Um, at, in a, you know, she started off you know sort of as a consultant with us. She's from Minnesota. Um, you know, staple of the Call of Duty scene, long history. Um, you know, with Optic under Hector. Um, so for us, she was a no-brainer no to bring on and, and make a part of our organization. Um, but initially, she was mostly working with us on on content. Um, at the same time, so this is August of 2019, you know, we were starting to talk to GM and coach candidates, and we really came in with a little bit of a, you know, a traditional sports mindset of, okay, yeah, you know, we've got this team, let's hire a GM. The GM hires the coach, you know, they pick the roster. Um, but it was tough because there was such a quick turnaround from champs last year to the new season. I mean, it was, I think the restricted free agency period, um, started, I think a week after champs, maybe it was two weeks, but whatever it was, we were sort of getting to a point where it was hard to, it was hard to actually hire a GM or a coach, Um, given that tight window. And we didn't want that to be, you know, a forced, you know, a forced marriage when that's such a critical, you know, critical hire and a critical relationship. So we were struggling a little bit with, with the best approach there. Um, At the same time, we were spending more time with, with Midnight and starting to realize that she had, um, you know, she had the foundation of knowledge of players in the scene um, and relationships with those players where, um where she could fill that role for us on an on an interim basis. Um and and she also clued it it was pretty funny at one point she came she came to me and and sort of clued clued me into the fact that um if you hired the wrong coach, you might have a hard time getting players and that it was sort of the way of Call of Duty and esports in general was you might want to get the players first or at least sort of do it all in tandem. Um, you know, and a lot of people compare, you know, call of duty to the NBA as a traditional sports sort of analogy, which is, you know, it's sort of the way, you know, the way the stars switch teams in the NBA. So anyway, long, uh, long winded way of saying, you know, Ashley came in and, and, and pointed that out in a, you know, in a, very, a very, uh, a very um, she, you know, she sort of sat us down and educated us a little bit. Um, and so from that point on, you um, you know, for the first wave of free agency, you know, Ashley really put our player board together. You know, we talked about sort of general qualities in terms of, you know, we wanted like good human beings on the team. Right. Um, as a starting point, it's always good to start there if you can. Um, and then we really take team free agency where Ashley did the initial outreach. Um, and then, you know, I sort of made it my purpose to get, you know, like i love i i would nerd out on this stuff anyway but so i really dove into to the league rules and and some of the policies around free agency there's a lot of nuance to it so it actually helped us um as we really got into the process um but ultimately um once we once we signed we signed silly assault and got our ex on the same day last september um and then brought on uh brian saint um, and uh, repping Jake Troba's as coaches shortly after that. And then once those guys were on board, um, you know, Ashley was still involved, but um, she wanted to focus on a content role. So once we had the coaches in place, um, you know, they, they still worked with Ashley and me, but they really lined up the, you know, the last two on the roster, Alex and Asim. Um, and then we, you know, then we had our five.
0: You had your five and they played well. Shout out to Silly, by the way. One of my all-time favorite people at eSports. I love that, man. Oh, yeah, he's great. Uh, just- Just a great dude. Just a great dude. Uh, I want to actually circle back to your coaching stuff a little bit. I thought that was a really interesting look at it. And I've actually already recorded a podcast with one of the Esports Network writers about Esports coaching and the weird role it sort of plays in Esports. And our basic take was, hey, Esports coaching is in a weird place because of how young Esports is in general. There's just, if you think about the coaches of Traditional sports, a lot of them are former players. You think about a guy like Steve Kerr who played for Michael Jordan, you can't really argue his expertise. He was better out, and you also can't argue that he should be on the court playing. And that's kind of how esports coaches fall into this weird role. And I wanted to ask you about actually a question about it because of Fireburner, the coach of the Rocket League team, who I think is a great example of a guy who's had a lot of competitive success, played with some of the best players in the game for one of the best organizations who's now naturally transitioning into a coaching role. And I really liked that because I think we need more of those players who've had that competitive success, but have naturally, you know, been around for a long time. They've seen a lot of different iterations of Rocket League, and now he's ready to be a coach. Uh, And I I just enjoy that we're moving to that phase of esports where there are more players. You know, Rocket League's been out for five years so it's not like this is somebody who played in the 90s or anything but uh he's a he's a guy who's been around and has at least that expertise and people the players will respect him a little bit more because he's played it and they 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 understand that so i want to talk about the idea of bringing him on you've really got all out for this roster i mean axb from space station gaming one of the best young players Uh, in Rocket League, Torment and Gimmick, who two-thirds of one of the most popular rosters, and Fireburner, a well-known player, used to play along Justin and Garrett G for NRG. What was the choice to bring on Fireburner? Why did you want to make sure that, hey, we also should bring on a great coach in Rocket League as well?
1: Yeah, well, I'll answer it, you know, with the answer is fairly simple with uh, with respect to, to Fireburner, but then I'll sort of zoom out and give you our perspective on, you know, that broader question of, of coaching in the esports scene um i mean you know it was i mean it was fairly simple um you know right from the start it, we were always looking at at the three of them together torment gimmick and, and fireburner as the coach so you know we certainly you know had conversations and you know first of all you know it's a, you know it's got to be mutual right he has to you know whether it's a player or coach, they have to want to come here as well. So, you know, I think particularly with, you know, we're a new a, a new org entering Rocket League. So there's, you know, there's an element of us pitching ourselves as an org um, to players, um, you know, as well. Um, so right from the start, we were always looking at the three of them. But without question, I definitely agree that, you know, that having him involved and, and his experience and, and the pedigree that he brings um, is phenomenal. And, and I think we've already seen um, him as an asset to the organization, as well as, you know, the Rocket League team specifically, um, you know, but in, in general, you know, I think as, um, you know, I think you're going to see more and more opportunities mm-hmm for former players to stay on as coaches as the scene, um, you know, as the, as the scene further develops and as there's, you know, more resources being put into, into things, I mean, for us, um, and maybe this comes from the traditional sports mentality or maybe it doesn't, you know, we try not to let that, we try not to take like a traditional sports first mentality with things, but to, you know, I spent a long time in the NFL, our, our owners on the Vikings. So to pretend that it doesn't have an influence would be, would be silly. Um, but we try, we, we very much focus on keeping an open mind about where that influence takes us with things. Um, but we very much believe that, you know, that having the right coach as a leader for a team um, is important, and we've invested in, in things like our our headquarters facility, which you know the, the Rocket League team is not moving to Minnesota, is not playing out of there, um, but just from a philosophical standpoint, investing in in things like facilities, coaching staffs, etc. I think you'll see more and more of those things um, as the you know as the the scene evolves, um, and as you know as prize pools increase, the stakes just get higher and higher, and so you want to give your teams every resource. Um, they need to be successful.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, again, coming from that traditional sports perspective, I think you're right to not take everything and just be like, okay, let's just slap the same approach to make a successful NFL team onto eSports. But in sports, it's undeniable the impact of a good coach. Uh, we've seen it for organizations over time or the impact of a bad coach on the on the flip side of it. And so I would like to see eSports reach that point because I do think... It helps provide some consistency to great programs. So there's two, you actually brought up the two final things I want to talk about, which was sports influence and esports and the different brands and the different arms of wise venture esports. But let's start with sports. We've danced around it a lot, and I want to zoom right in onto it. You spent a long time in the NFL. Johanna Ferries, Johanna Ferries spent a long time in the NFL as well, the commissioner of the Call of Duty League. Uh, and we just saw in the last few weeks, uh, a major hiring, Tony Petiti, the former deputy commissioner of Major League Baseball, uh, hired by Activism Blizzard, president of sports and entertainment. What do you think esports gains from sports executives coming to the space? And then I'm going to do a flip side on that question. But starting right now, what do you think esports can learn from all the sports execs coming over to esports?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, I'll, I'll sort of tackle it. You know it both ways, right? It's you know what can what can esports learn from traditional sports, and what can traditional sports learn from esports. It's sort of the same thing in, in a weird way because I think as I think if anybody comes into into esports from traditional sports, or really if you come into anything new from a different industry, and you come in thinking that you have all the answers you're probably not going to be successful. Um, and so for us coming in, you know, and we're still, you know, we're still very new, but you know, a little less, you know, a little less new than we were a year ago, but new to the rocket league scene, um, certainly, but we didn't come into the scene feeling like we are pretending that we had all the answers for esports just because we had, you know, we had some success, um, in traditional sports. It was really important both to me personally and, and to the to the Will family, you know, and Gary and everybody that's part of our ownership group to spend time listening and learning. And frankly, that's part of what attracted me to to this opportunity was that chance to just to take on a whole new challenge where there was a lot of learning involved. And then, you you know, as you start to get a sense of things, you start to get a feel for where you know, where that experience in traditional sports, um, you know, can be additive. And, you know, I spent most of my career in the NFL's events department. So working on things like the Super Bowl and international games in in London and and the Pro Bowl and the NFL draft. Um, And so these are big mega events that are done to an unbelievably high level. Um, So on a day to day basis, you know, everything that we do as a as an organization, we our standards are extremely high. But having a high standard doesn't necessarily mean that it looks exactly the same as it would in traditional sports or or that sort of thing it's more just you know for us our philosophy has been to bring together the right group of people that have experience and i I touched on earlier but have experience in traditional sports have have experience in esports people we we put a priority also on bringing in people that had experience from you know from outside of either and then our philosophy really is everybody checks their egos at the door, whether you're the COO or an intern or anywhere in between, and we bounce ideas around. And, you know, some people are coming at and saying, hey, here's this thing I did when I worked for the Vikings that worked or ashley will say, here's the thing that we did that was really awesome with Optic. And, you know, sometimes we're doing it, you know, very similar to what somebody's done in the past. Or sometimes, you know, we're taking something that that I saw work at the Vikings or on, you know, a Super Bowl five years ago. And, you know, the folks on our staff that have eSports that come from the eSports world are putting their spin on it or sometimes it's the other way around. And, you know, again, everybody checks their ego at the door and we just get creative and and have a lot of fun with it. And I think that's where um, that's where we've seen our, you know, that's where we've seen a positive impact and success in terms of um, in terms of what we're trying to build from a fan base perspective.
0: That combination feels like it's incredibly crucial because esports, as it's gone through this growth, a lot of that growth has been created by bringing in more aspects of sports. You look at companies like Activision, Blizzard, and Riot Games bringing in Nielsen to accurately measure viewership data for sponsorship value. You look at the buy-ins and all the different ownership groups, in addition to the Will family, you've got Kraft and Kroenke and uh, McCourt and all these different... Uh, traditional sports owners who are investing in esports and so I think it's really important for esports to bring in that but like you said with that approach where you have people who play who worked for optic gaming who are putting in their their impact that really feels like the one of the best ways to run a modern esports organization bring in the sports aspects but be true to where esports came from because that's where a lot of your fans are coming from ultimately your eventual end is to bring in some of those sports fans of course as well but for now, let's make sure we stay true to where we come from and figure out how to build on top of where esports has already been. That's a great approach and one that uh, we see from quite a few esports organizations, but not all, not all of them over this last sports influx into esports. So I'm glad to appreciate you providing your perspective on how The Rocker sees this uh, confluence of sports and esports, which has been great for me. I've, I've been enjoying it. I just really quite enjoy the, the sports world and the esports world overlapping because I'm have one foot in each all the time.
1: Yeah. And in some, in a lot of cases, it's just, you know, we're sitting around just bouncing ideas around. It's just like, Hey, you know, Hey, I did this in a past, in a past life. Does this, you know, do we think this works here? And, you know, sometimes it's the simplest concepts. You know, we, we had a lot of success having um, having watch parties for our away matches um, before COVID hit where, Um, we, for, we did that for our, you know, we played two tournaments, um, after we hosted launch weekend for CDL, um, where we, we worked with a bar in, you know, in St. Paul, Minnesota, and we were planning to have a watch party. And, you know, we had no idea how many people were going to show up. Uh, I was going to the event in Atlanta, but the last meeting we had with our staff before that we're going to be working the event, um, here locally, you know, we said, Hey, if 10 people show up and those 10 people have an awesome time and they leave they leave that watch party feeling more a part of this team than they were going into it and next week you know five of the 10 people bring bring a friend and you know and after that you know you just you just keep growing and growing from there that was really our philosophy and we had you know, over seventy-five people showed up to the first um, to the first uh, watch party at this bar at at nine a.m. Minnesota time to watch to watch <laughs> a Call of Duty match, and then the next weekend or a couple of the next event, we had one hundred twenty-five people. So, you know, I who knows how big that would have gotten if we had been able to continue having those in-person watch parties. Um, but I think that's sort of the you know whether it's. Whether it's the traditional sports influence or something else, that's really the 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 mindset that that we bring to things. It's just okay. What's the next logical thing that we can do to engage fans? And if the fans like it, we'll do more of it. If the fans don't, we try something else, right? And you know, whether you're whatever industry you're in, that's sort of the a philosophy I think works. Like, okay, let's let's do a lot of stuff, and if people like it, do more of it.
0: Let me tell you, Brett, how much I would pay to go to a watch party in a bar with 125 other people to watch call of duty. I miss community. I miss going to a bar and not being worried about where I'm sitting, (laughs) what I'm touching. If I'm wearing my mask, I miss that.
1: Oh my Lord. Oh yeah. Did you, did you, um, I'll send them to you if you haven't seen the the videos from our watch parties, Uh, but they were a lot of fun, man. I was, I actually had, I had FOMO sitting in the venue watching our team play because the launch party looked like so
0: much fun. I'm I, I've been thinking, especially as sports have come back, it's really reinvigorated. So I'm a, I'm Portland born and raised and we've been having a great little sports stretch over the last week. And now I live in Las Vegas, but uh, the Timbers won the MLS's back tournament. The Blazers just clinched a spot in the play in game after Damian Lillard scored 150 points over the last three games. I'm just the amount of, I want to be watching these games in a Portland bar, drinking ten barrel beer right now so badly, and it's uh, it's really heightened the like pandemic and what the pandemic prevents people from doing is the return of sports, and I'm just like, give it, I want it back, I want it back so bad. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: and that's yeah, I think there's a lot of pent up energy there. You know, as an organization, we've tried to sort of figure out what's the you know what's the quarantine version of of a watch party. Like we, we, we have a watch party in discord for all of our rocker events. We're, we're, we're going to start doing the same thing um, for version one in rocket league as well. Um, you know, I, I think that's sort of back to the earlier question. That's where I think the, the great mix that we have on our staff um, shows itself where, um, you know, to our, to the staff that were, you know, had, had experience in 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 esports prior to working for Rocker, um, you know, a lot of like I was you know I was I you know, knew a little bit about Discord, but when we had people on our staff that were truly experts, and we said, hey, how do we you know what do we what, how can we create as great of a fan experience or as close to it in our discord channel for, for our matches as we did, you know, in that bar in St. Paul. And it's been, you know, it's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of hype in the chat and you've got players, families in there uh, soaking up the love. So we've just got a very family esque atmosphere. Um, And so, you know, I am really proud of how our staff has risen to the occasion Um, through the challenging circumstances of the pandemic and really continued to you know find ways to
0: to create cool experiences for the fans certainly i love discord it's such a unique platform it's it's just so much fun and the the customization you could have on it is just great so i want to be conscious of your time here the last thing i wanted to ask you about is the creation of a new brand it's a situation that's I suppose unique to esports. Again, coming from that traditional sports background, these teams have been around so long. The Minnesota Vikings just have this long history. You, you hear the name, you're like Fran Tarkenton. Like it's, uh, you just have this this history that comes with all the traditional sports franchises. Would you create a new brand version one? Uh, how are you approaching that brand creation aspect? So you've got the rocker. You're under Wise Venture what is the positive of having all these different brands competing under one banner, but you've got the rocker over here based in Minnesota that you've got version one, uh, like you said, not based in Minnesota, but a, a great team and coming out strong. What's the benefit of having different brands underneath the wise venture Esports uh, banner? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give a little bit of context and you know, I'll be really transparent on how we see the brands developing over time. Um, so, you know, as, as you know, and you know, probably a lot of people listening to this know um, with call of duty league rocker can rocker has to stay exclusive to call of duty. So we couldn't, we, we were not able to, even if we wanted to name the rocket league team rocker. Um, now, Long term, we are we are working on rebranding what is currently Wise Ventures Esports. So, Wise Ventures Esports is the parent organization of both teams. At some point, likely in this calendar year, um, Wise Ventures Esports will have a new name. Um, our original goal, frankly, was to have that you know have that rebrand in place before we got our second team. Um, the opportunity to enter Rocket League um, came very quickly, and was the season started earlier than we initially thought it would. To be honest, um, and we just weren't ready to to name the the parent company yet. So that's sort of where Version One originated as a name because we were looking at at names and and um, branding concepts that had sort of a temporary feel to it. Um, things like you know not final and. Um, and you know, just things that were clearly sort of tongue-in-cheek jokes around being temporary. And then our, oh. our head of marketing said version one, and the whole room just stopped. We're like, ooh, ooh, that's pretty good. And then that is good. Yeah. And then we've got our our creative, our just everyone on our marketing content creative team is is really phenomenal. Um and our our art director whipped up our logo basically in 24 hours, and you know I think we probably could have hired an agency to spend months doing it, and I don't think it would I think it would not be better than what uh, what our what our art director Dane uh, came up with, um, and so it all came together very quickly, and and so you know we've got Rocker in Call of Duty League, you know that will always be the CDL team. Um, we have version one in Rocket League. We're rebranding the parent company. Um, that could go a number of different, you know, different directions over the, you know, call it a year from now. Um, the parent brand will have a different name. You know, that might be version one. We might extend the version one brand to the parent company, um, or we might keep them separate, um, or fold the Rocket League team under that new brand. So there's a number of different directions we might go. Um, we just we're, we're evaluating what the right approach is, uh, but it definitely has unique challenges to have you know different teams, different brand names, et cetera. In a perfect world, everything just has the same name and it's nice and easy to market.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's a little bit of a tough, tough spot to be in where you have all these different brands, but uh, I'm excited to see where you guys come out with and, and figure out that that eventual identity. It'll be great to see. So, Brett, thank you so much for joining the show. I know I want to plug the Rockers match against the Subliners once again, August 20th, Thursday. Going to be a great match. And then stay tuned for the champs run. If they win, they're going on to the Huntsman. If they lose, they're going down to the losers bracket, but still going to be playing at least one game after that Subliners. Where would you like people to follow, look out for, or check out, Brett?
1: Yeah, so uh, with Rocker, we're on Twitter. It's at Rocker, R-O-K-K-R. Um, and, uh, some of the other socials it's rocker mn but Twitter's usually the easiest way. You just get where you want to go from there with us. Um, and then with, with the rocket league team version one across all socials were version one, the number one, GG version one, GG. So, um, we're, uh, yeah, we're excited to, for rocker playoffs coming up and, and kicking off rocket league. There's, there's a lot going on. It's a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for joining the show, Brett. It was an absolute blast. Like I said, I'm publishing this on Wednesday, August 19th. So if you're listening to it now, if you're listening to it the day after, be sure to be able to look out for that rocker subladder game a champ and check out version one as they compete in rocket league with that roster of torment gimmick AXB coached by the legendary Fireburner. Going to be a great team. Already one of my favorites, even though they've only played uh, just a little bit. Have you guys even played yet?
1: Yeah. So we've, um, it's funny that we're in the new format of Rocket League. There is so much Rocket League, so many matches. I love it. Um, So yeah, we've had two, uh, two tournaments of the grid, which is the weekly tournament series, which we, we didn't talk about this, but we, the teams control the broadcast for that. So we've been producing our own broadcast, which is um, which is a great opportunity, both from a brand and a business standpoint. Um, and then we have our first regional, um, I guess by the time this drops, it'll have taken place, but um, uh, yeah, well, we have regional, uh, the regional main event competitions are the 15th, 16th, and then the 22nd and 23rd of August. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that. As everybody knows, Rocket League, Call of Duty, two of my all-time favorite esports. So I think you too have made you made some really great choices for the games you're getting involved in. Thank you to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Brett Diamond, the COO of Wise Venture Esports, soon to be renamed to something yet established. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mitch dreams Be on the lookout for some other awesome podcasts. I think we've got. Uh, on this feed, an interesting look with Todd Citrin, the SVP of competitive games for EA. So that's an interesting what look if into sports simulations and that wide world. And he has some very lofty goals for sports simulations at EA. So if you're interested in that whole side of esports as well, check out that podcast if you're looking for some more content.